Okay, welcome to Reality 101, everyone. I'm Dr. Molly. And I'm Dr. Elizabeth Rule. So we, this is our first podcast. This is our, we're losing our podcast virginity. Um, we're going to start um, an intro episode talking about ourselves, why we're doing the podcast, why we're interested in reality TV and culture. We're trying to, we're trying to escape. We're trying to escape from everyday life. Um, and I think that this is going to be a good space for all of us to learn a little bit while we're doing it. Um so I think we're going to start with introductions so everyone can get to know us a little bit. And we're going to start with Dr. Elizabeth Rule. Okay. So, hey, everyone. Uh, thanks for joining us. My name is Dr. Elizabeth Rule. I'm a citizen of the Chickasaw Nation, and I'm currently an assistant professor of critical race, gender, and culture studies at American University. So I work in Washington, D.C., and I've been here for the past handful of years. Um, the district features really centrally in my work, but I also work on Native American and Indigenous studies, um, women's gender sexuality, studies, and those are exactly the kinds of lenses and perspectives that I'm so excited to bring to this podcast where we're going to be examining one of our shared passions and loves, reality TV. And I'm so excited to be here with Dr. Molly, who had this brilliant idea for this podcast as a way to really step out of our capacity within the classroom, but still bring those really critical perspectives um, to foster a community of students of reality TV. Yeah, thank you. And I think um, you'll find throughout the podcast that me and Dr. Rule have so many overlapping interests. But as she said, um, I have a shared expertise in feminism, of women of color feminisms, um, and we both have a shared passion for reproductive justice in our respective communities. Um, I am also an assistant professor in the Department of Critical Race, Gender, and Culture Studies at American University. And I know, CRGC. <laughs> um, and I'm an assistant professor of African American studies specifically. Um, and so my expertise um, is in 20th and 21st century cultural histories of Black motherhood and Black reproduction. I'm also um, interested and I write about bioethics, um, the legality and the policy around bodies and Black birth, um, the digital humanities, and also just um, literature and art writ large. Um, I'm also a doula, so I'm a trained birth attendant, and I'm also a postpartum doula and an abortion doula. And again, like Dr. Rule, um, just really immersed in kind of reproductive justice in the DMV area. Um, as I mentioned before, you know, we are spending hours watching reality TV a week, I think solidly, right? I could say an embarrassing amount um, of hours talk thinking about reality TV. And so I'm just so excited that I met Dr. Rule and now we can be friends and we can be colleagues in doing this because um, my um, the people in my life are so sick of hearing me talk about it. They're so sick of hearing me talk about it. And so I'm like selfishly manufacturing a community of people that want to talk about it, but also want to talk about it the same ways that we do, right? So um, as Dr. Rule mentioned, these critical lenses of, of reality TV and 
and it's not just um, an escape, right? As I mentioned before, but I think, you know, we often think about reality TV as a way that we're tuning out of reality of our own lives, but really in 2023, reality TV is when we're tuning in to all of these cultural issues, xenophobia, 90 day fiance, um, racism, anti-blackness. I mean, there's so much going on, um, just the heteronormativity of reality TV today. And so these are just things that we think other podcasts or other um, other podcasters, just other kind of critical lenses, we, we can add to the conversation, to the conversations they're already having. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, you know, in the podcast world, there's a lot of really, you know, funny and engaging content. But, you know, critically, the voices of Black and Indigenous women um, are really missing from that conversation. And we want to use this as a way to, you know, take our tools from the sort of scholarly and research and theoretical world and apply them to this form of entertainment that we know so many of us are engaged in. And that is not to say that this is going to be a, you know, class discussion. I mean, we're going to be, you know, cutting up and laughing and analyzing it. But I think in a way that's maybe more true to our own lived experiences and, you know, how we see ourselves reflected or not reflected in the stories of the people on TV, what we find to be entertaining and why, all of that is different. And that's what we're going to bring to this new podcast world. So I'm really excited that we're going to be kicking off the podcast with two of my absolutely favorite shows. So the first is going to be Married at First Sight. This is season 16. And it is set in Nashville, Music City. And the other show we're going to be um, discussing is 90 Day Fiance, The Other Way, season four. I am such a huge 90 Day Fiance fan from the beginning, all the spinoffs. And um, I'm so excited that there is a new season that we can analyze together. Yeah, so we'll be talking about 90 Day Fiance when it starts on January 29th. Um, and so just to give you all just a logistic rundown of just how you can listen to us or where you can access us or join the community. So we will be on Patreon. Um, we will be featuring Married at First Sight um, with ads, um, but it will be a free episode. So you can listen to it um, after these episodes air. We'll be recording probably on Fridays or Saturdays. And so we'll have those up before the next episode comes out. Um and then 90 Day Fiance, we will have the first episode with ads also for free on, on Patreon. But then after that, you'll join, you'll have to join one of our other tiers besides the free tier to access it um, with or without ads. Um, and there's also really cute other perks that you can get on our Patreon, like suggested readings or um, bonus material about other shows we're watching. Um, and we also have a feature on our top tier um, for Patreon for folks who want to ask us questions or want us to talk about specific ideas or something you heard in the news or maybe something you saw on 90 Day and you you think there's something going on there, but you don't know quite how to talk about it. If you want to you know ask us to chime in, that's also part of our top tier um, on Patreon. Um, and then we'll also be on social media too. 
Yes, we are setting up all of our social media accounts, so we will have that out and available soon. We're definitely looking for this to be a space to build community and community conversations, weigh in on things like polls, and we may or may not be thinking already about some merchandise and swag so you can rep your pride as a student of reality TV. Um, but also, like you said, Dr. Molly, about the tiers that people can use to engage this podcast, you know, we have something for everybody. If you are up in our office hours all the time, we have a tier for you. If you are sleeping in the back row of class, we have something for you. And I love the descriptions that you put there. I think they're just so accurate <laughs> from both a professor's and a student's perspective. And um, yeah. We, we hope you can find a way to engage that fits your your needs and your interests. Yeah, thanks for clarifying that. I think, you know, I speak for both of us when I say that ultimately we just want this to be a continual conversation, right? And so we reserve to write, the right to also be the people sleeping in the back of the class at times. And so we welcome all comments, questions, reviews, um, anything respectfully said. Yeah, let us, let us know what you think about what we have to say. And, um, you know, like like we said also, you know, any of those questions that you would bring to our podcast office hours, we'll definitely make sure to address on the air. Yeah, so let's just jump in to talk a little bit about, I mean, just a better description of why we're doing this, why we think reality TV is so interesting and so I just kind of have a question for you, Dr. Rule. I mean, when did you start watching reality TV? What was like the show that got you? Um, and when was this? Okay, I'm so happy that we're starting with this question because this is exactly what I was going to ask you as our jumping off point as well. Um, for me, I got sucked into reality TV with the Real Housewives franchise. Um, so I grew up watching this from the time I was a teenager. Um, when I went to college, it was always a little bit of a struggle because these were the days before streaming and um, I didn't have cable, but I would always come home and have to get all caught up on what was going on. So I think for a lot of people, actually, the Real Housewives franchise was how they first stepped into, you know, this this world. I personally was never somebody that got into like the Jersey Shore type shows, um, even though that was a major hit during um, my college years as well. Um, but you know, it's it's so interesting to think even about something like the Real Housewives and how they have transformed and their representations, the missteps that have happened over the years. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it's really fascinating and it's such an incredible world and um, it really kind of opened the door for me. But what was that show for you? Well, I have less refined taste than you. Um, I wish I had a cute story like that. I was so critical and cute. Um, no, I, my mind's just like my babysitter falling asleep while Big Brother was on. Um, and I'm like, wow, this is like middle school, but for adults. Um, I also got really sucked into Flavor of Love, VH1's yes. Flavor of Love. So classic. So Flavor classic. Love. What were the other ones? There was the one with Tila Tequila. Was that her name? Yes. And then like... Uh the Brett guy too. 
Yes. Also that, that rock and roll guy. Um, yeah. uh, we're really I, dating I, our generation. Right this now. was quite a while ago, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. And just like these, yeah. Um, oh, and then the Kathy Griffin show, Meet the Osbournes, you mm-hmm. know, was, I never got into, I mean, I'm just in America in 2023. So I know everything about the Kardashians, but I never was really into the Kardashians um, until I, yeah, I don't know. I got into Flavor of Love and I just would let VH1 run amok and then I'm watching all these crazy shows. But um, also, you know, anything on Bravo I was into. And I'm also just indiscriminate with reality TV. I could have a whole podcast on Top Chef, like yes. all 20 seasons, every single episode. Um, but can I make a confession? Yes. Okay. As somebody who is stepping into this role as the professor in our podcast with our students about reality TV, I must admit that I don't think I've ever actually watched a full episode of the Kardashians. I don't know how that's happened, but I just kind of like missed that train. And then you know, they've had so many seasons and so many iterations. I felt like it was too late for me. And so I just, I just never got on board. It's because the storytelling sucks, right? That why? Yes. <laughs> Is that what happened? Yes. That's what I'm just, I'm just saying. I mean, and that's why shows like 90 Day Fiance are so, I mean, they're just so addictive because they're selling us multiple stories within two hours or like an hour and 40 minutes. And then you get, you know, you, you have these eight characters to get sucked into. Um, and then um, you get these eight couples to get sucked into. And if you don't identify with three of those couples, you are, you can choose which one you identify with. And right. so, and that's one of the reasons why they've been so successful is because they've tuned into these type of archetypes that I think Americans want to see. Whereas the Kardashians are never going to be relatable, but that's right. also what makes them successful is because right. they're we're chasing we're chasing some sort of like American version of royalty. Um, and there's a mystique around that, that I don't prescribe to. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to say too, I mean, maybe there's something to the fact that, um, you know, our attention spans we know are decreasing with things like social media. And so having perhaps shorter stories within the hour long episode about, you know, various different couples, you know, you, you only have about 10 or 15 minutes for each couple before it transitions over to someone else. So I don't know, maybe there's something with the attention span of viewers, but that's a commonality in both Married at First Sight and 90 Day Fiance and all of its iterations. Yeah. And so, I mean, you brought up Married at First Sight and that's why I'm so excited that we're talking about it because I just, I'm like, it was so juicy. It's so delicious. There's so much material in Married at First Sight, so much material. And I know we're, we're going to talk about it for our first episode, but I was just curious, do you think that, you know, the shows that you enjoy, do they lean towards these type of like idyllic versions of love? Like, are you a bachelor person or are you more, I mean, like I said, I'm in the top chef. I'm not all about the L-O-V-E, but what, like, what, what do you, what defines your taste? Like, what are some of the descriptors? Yeah. So also I never really got into the bachelor nation situation. Um, Don't know a whole bunch about that. I got also kind of into like game shows or competition shows, Mm -hmm. things like survivor, 
a little bit of the amazing race. Um, but I also, you know, love the cooking shows. Um, but actually I remember the very first time I saw 90 day fiance, I was actually in a hotel room. Um, I was traveling for some reason and again, you know, it had to do with cable, right? There were these channels that I just didn't have access to. And this was, before 90 Day Fiance really launched off into the pop culture phenomenon that it currently is. So I was just scrolling through, not really paying attention to what was on television, but 90 Day Fiance came on and I was hooked because there was this just insane story. Like the drama level was so high, but it was also kind of interesting to me because there were people from different cultures and there was this whole like culture clash element. And obviously being somebody that thinks and writes and researches about culture and America and Americans in a larger transnational world, it just piqued my interest. And I literally remember looking at the TV guide and being like, what is the name of this show? I must investigate, right? In true like researcher fashion, I must investigate, figure out what this is and then watch all of it. And that's that's what happened. And now here I am making a podcast about 90 Day Fiance. <laughs> Listen, 90 Day Fiance, it, it it's the beginning and it's the end of TLC actually being the learning channel. You know what I mean? Cause like when yeah. we were younger, yeah, if I was at my rich friend's house, you know, I got to, like you said, I got to hit the paywall of cable and her mom had on a baby story. I was like, oh my God, like this woman's having a baby. I like, I love the reality of it. And now, yeah, I'm like, oh, how the mighty have fallen. Like what is going on with 90 day? But I mean, my son walked his first steps when Jeffrey slash nipple tats was on the screen. And I like remember the scene. He walked, my son walked from the couch to the TV. I'm like, it's burned in my brain. It's part of me now. <laughs> it's going to be burned in your son's brain, probably. Oh, those nipple right. tattoos, my poor baby. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so much to say about that guy. Um, also, the nipple tats. Y'all, there's there are definitely opportunities for us to cover previous seasons. So if you are like, we really want to hear them talk about the cl classic season two, classic season four. We're, I mean, Danielle, Muhammad, I like, could talk about Asin and Nicole all day. Um, I lived in Morocco for a while. I just have lots of things to say about Morocco. So like, if you want to hear any seasons or other shows that you want us to listen to, you can also contact us through social media, Patreon. We would love that. Oh my gosh, we might have to do that. I didn't know that you had spent time in Morocco, but also Morocco is such a recurrent country on 90 Day Fiance. I would love to hear your take on, you know, on that, on its presence. Um, I feel like Morocco gets quite a bit of 90 Day airtime. It really does. Yeah, there's a lot to say. There's a lot to say. So I'll take you up on that invite anytime. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so um, I think this is a good time to take a break and we're gonna be right back after the break um, and we'll talk a little bit more about um, just 90 Day, Married at First Sight and yeah, see you in a second. Okay, welcome back everyone. Um, this is part two of our intro video or our intro episode. 
Um, so Dr. Rule, why do you think people are watching so much reality TV right now? Why do you think it's so big in the zeitgeist? Right. Well, there are several reasons. Um, I think one question I want us to interrogate throughout our podcast is this idea of the guilty pleasure, right? Um, people often talk about reality TV as something that they should feel bad about or that they do feel bad about, but they do anyways. Um, and you know, that's that's a question we should really think about, um, you know, what propels us to spend our hours uh, consuming this content. And obviously, there's huge demand for it. That's why we get so many different types of spinoffs um, to, to meet the market demand. I think that there's a lot that it tells us also about factors of class, of race, of sexuality, um, in a way that mirrors, but imperfectly mirrors our own lives, our expectations, our, you know, dreams, um, and also offers us in many cases, some insight into taboo subjects, right? So what does it mean, for example, to, um, you know, be in a relationship with someone who's incarcerated? What does it mean to get insight into the lives of someone who, you know, experiences extreme fat phobia? Um, what does it mean to be sort of on the cusp of, um, you know, your, your nationality and thinking really critically about things like citizenship, or in some cases, even, you know, renouncing your citizenship and moving abroad. Um, I think these are all things that live amongst us in society that we gain some access to. But I also want to be really clear that the access that we gain is also not 100% reality. This is also absolutely curated. Um, and I think that drives also why we're interested and in the kinds of messages that we receive. Yeah. I mean, I think if any if, and if you, any of you all were listening with your reality 101 ears and eyes here, I don't know how you can listen with eyes. I heard 90 Day Fiance. I heard My 600 Pound Life there. I heard Love After Lockup, Love During Lockup, everything I watch. Okay. I think you're totally, I think that's completely spot on, right? And it's so inter interesting. Another uh, show I didn't mention before was also Intervention, right? Because you know, we know all of these people. We, we know all of these people. I'm from the Midwest, right? Like some of the highest rates of obesity in the country. I know people whose parents never left the house. I know people personally today who are nearing 700, 800 pounds, right? This is actually their life. But, you know, I don't necessarily know a 19-year-old white woman from Ohio who's just decided to convert to Islam, you know, and I think it, you're right. It's totally fascinating. What is it like to date someone in a post 9-11 world who's Muslim and living in Syria? Right. right. So although in these shows, they're not picking up on all of these political aspects and the globe, you know, the aspects of globalization. What did it take for someone from Syria to say, no, honey, you can't come to Syria because it's too dangerous. Like, let's talk about why Syria is not safe right now. Right. And then is your mother being over controlling because she doesn't want you to go there? Are you delusional because you think you can go there? Right. Right. Exactly. Right. And so and 
a lot of, again, you know, we're joining a conversation here. So this is let, this is more of a comment, less of a critique, but right. So some of these other podcasts and just the conversations around 90 day and reality TV, they're picking up on, you know, they'll kind of say like, oh, well, um, that's Islamophobia, you know? And I'm like, well, there's actually a lot of nuances to that. And yeah, I think, you know, by and large, the U.S. of A is Islamophobic. Absolutely. But right. And when we, again, center it down to people who are from Ohio, who have never met a person of color, who have never met anyone who's Muslim, right? At what point are we recognizing just a struggle with identity and difference? And then, an, and just an, or an antiness to that, right? Or a vitriol or a hatred, and these shows, I think, really help us at least index or parse out where we are on those different spectrums. Yeah, I yeah. think I, I think again, you're absolutely right. And you know, I'll even bring something like class into the conversation. So, you know, I mentioned that I'm a big housewives person. I love it. I spend probably entirely too much time watching it. Um, but you know, what's really fascinating about that is that you know, the the whole premise, right, is that these are women who are very well off. The, you know, title suggests that they could be, um, if they're not already housewives um, and able to maintain that status on the basis of not having to work and engage in, you know, labor for money to live. Um, but the reality also is that these are people who are not that wealthy, right? Um, they're sort of held up as being the peak of wealth and class. And, you know, I have to say Luann's Money Can't Buy You class is one of my favorite things ever. <laughs> if you haven't heard it, look up this song, Money Can't Buy You class, Elegance is Learned, my friend. Um, but this is exactly the kind of interesting rhetoric, right, that that's going around is, you know, what does it mean to um, be of a particular class background or socioeconomic status? Um, and to have your life portrayed as this sort of American dream ideal, right? Um, I think that there's a lot of longing um, for, for people who are watching, wanting to achieve you know, this type of quote unquote success, when that says translates into things like clothing brands, big houses. Um, but again, the, the idea is that these are actually McMansions, you know, um, and these are not like the billionaires of the world. This is a type of commercialism that's available to people of a middle or lower class status as aspirational, um, primarily because of the way that it engages with consumerism and capitalism. Yeah. And I think you hit a major thread that we're going to going to be talking about. I know I'll be mentioning every single um, episode, which is just labor, right? That these people are performing labor on the show, what type of labor they're doing, you know, as their quote unquote jobs that point in a reality stars persona when they do have a job and then all of a sudden they're not working. So then we realize that, right, all of these extra labor activities that come from being on a show, like I'm thinking about like Angela Deem on 90 Day Fiance, right? Like, you know, we never hear her talking about working in hospice anymore. Right. She talks about, oh, I worked in hospice for forever, but she doesn't work. She sells cameos. Like, let's actually talk about that. Let's talk about um, 
you know, us covering 90 Day and, you know, there's so much controversy around covering um, like Big Ed or people call him Big Pred. And I know so many podcasts don't cover him because they don't want to contribute to the labor that he's doing, which is basically marketing his own abuse of women. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's it's fascinating to watch and it's fascinating to watch how that iterates then in my own life and how I think about my own labor and my own labor politics. And I'm like, why am I consuming this? Absolutely. And then, you know, something that, again, I, I have a love-hate relationship with all of it, right? But another would be, okay, so you get on a show, now you can launch your own, um, you know, business. Like, that's a huge thing. I mean- mm-hmm. You know, Stephanie literally sells her farts in a jar. I don't know exactly how she's doing this as a business, but <laughs> it's fascinating. And also on another show I watch, Real Housewives of Potomac, there is a major feud going on right now between um, Karen and Wendy uh, over candles, right? And who had the first idea about who was going to sell a candle? If somebody's candle is one wick or three wick, and which is the superior candle? And then we have Mia coming in and, you know, launching her candle before either of them, even though they've been talking about their candles and working on their business plan for, you know, however long. So that is just a long way to say labor. <laughs> No, absolutely. I mean, the last thing I wanted to mention too is I think that, you know, we, again, it's about what relates on a very small scale and then what we can see projected into this big screen, which is just globalization in general, right? It is not crazy for someone to be 30 and to be dating someone who's 70 and lives in the Dominican Republic. It's actually not that crazy now. It's called Instagram, right? I have nieces and nephews who are Instagram babies. Their parents met on Instagram. Like I, that's just how people meet now. And since, you know, all of like quote unquote borders, right, are being collapsed or we're really realizing how they're so imagined. It's not, um, you know, or the idea of even falling in love with someone that you don't even speak the same language as we, maybe the first few seasons of 90 day were like, wow, this is totally wacko. But now I'm like, oh yeah, of course he doesn't speak Russian. Of course they're going to have a child, you know? (laughs) And literally using, you know, iPhones to translate everything that they say back and forth to one another. You know, these are all functions of, like you said, globalization technology. But I think what's really interesting is how this continually runs up against sort of the staticness of laws and legality and Mm -hmm. citizenship and borders when it comes to the actual movements of people's bodies and where they live, where they reside, and the rights that are attached to that. Um, I think that's such a fascinating tension about 90 Day Fiance in particular. Yeah, I know. I think you're totally right. We're going to have so much to talk about just about feminism in general and how specifically white women in all of these shows wield their all of a sudden, you know, they're very nationalistic and their national pride because, oh, well, we don't treat women like that where I'm from. And it's like, well, first of all, honey, yes, they do. Uh, we have some really high rates of domestic violence. Right. And our reproductive rights are just stripped pretty much like newly every day. But then secondly, though, it's really not about, these are about like these racial and ethnic tensions. It's not about 
you, the Nigerian, can't talk to me like that because I'm an American. You, the Black man in Nigeria, cannot talk to me like that because I'm a white American. And those are the things that go unsaid, but they don't go unfelt because I know there's so much vitriol, right, in, you know, Reddit or just on Instagram and social media. We're picking up on these small nuggets, but I think that's where we can contribute to the conversation, which is I'm like, let me help you telegraph what you're seeing and tell, let me just help you out there because it's not just, that's racist. That's not what we're talking about, right? We're talking about something much more nuanced or just more complex, Yes, yes. So welcome to the classroom, everyone. Again, so happy to have you here. Just starting our semester. Um, So Dr. Molly, to sort of wrap us up, what other shows are you watching right now besides um, the upcoming 90 Day the other way, which I know is on your, you know, your list. Um, but of course, Married at First Sight is already out. It has aired a couple of episodes. But what else are you watching right now? Yeah, great question. Um, so I know that TLC and Discovery Plus just put out Love and Paradise, but I watched it last summer when it was just on Discovery Plus. So I'm rewatching that now with Carlos and Valentine. Um, Danielle Neohan, so, so good. Um, I just finished watching the last season of Love during lockup. Um, that's a, been a huge show for me. Oh, so good. Um, what else am I watching? I think that's it, right? No, you know what? I'm lying to you. I've been rewatching Sister Wives. Um, I'm on a polygamy kick right now. So I'm also watching My Five Wives, <clears throat> which was on in 2016 on TLC. And I'm just like, whoa. This guy, Brady, is so different than Cody. Like, y'all need to be talking and having your own conversations because, yeah, we'll get into it, but I'm not going to make it. I don't know what happened to My Five Wives. I would have kept watching it. Was it a mess? Yes. Um, But just because there have been like 20 something seasons of Sister Wives, it's a little bit bizarre to me that My Five Wives is no longer running. But also, um, Seeking Sister Wife, I. I don't know when the new season's coming out, but that has been on my rotation. Um, also, I totally echo love during lockup. I'm watching right now. Um, the Real Housewives of Potomac, um, Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. I just finished up Real Housewives of New Jersey. I was doing a little bit of catch up. As you can tell, I'm a binge watcher. Um and there's a new season of Thousand Pound Sisters that just started airing as well. Was it good? Well, it it has started off with mostly Tammy's health issues. Um, so it it's really, you know, in a challenging place, but she seems like she has motivation to lose some weight in advance of surgery and um I, I won't spoil too much, but I I really hope that she can get the help that she needs. Oh, okay. Well, I I mean, there's so much overlap. So I'm super excited. I also wanted to mention that Seeking Brother Husband is coming out in March. So that might be something that we could think about covering because I will be all over that, like a cheap suit. So I haven't seen anything about that, but I'm already so excited. Okay, great. 
So I think this is concludes our intro episode. Um, it was nice to meet everyone. This is like what we would call the syllabus version of our class, where it's really just a rundown. It's just a taste. Um, but we will be back with our first episode. Um, we're going to be covering Married at First Sight, and we're going to bunch all of the wedding episodes together because nothing happens on the wedding, the wedding episodes, y'all. It can all be covered in one episode. So look for that. Um, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Welcome to the classroom and uh, check us out on social media as well. Yeah, sounds good.